bottom line is we're trying to determine who's going to run against Donald Trump. So part of that is a vice presidential nominee. And we know if there, and I've said this before, if there's anything that Hillary Clinton really botched, like talk about it, just shit my pants in public, fuck up. <laughs> it was Tim Kaine. That, as the a turd vice, that is, yeah, turd, Tim I mean, Kane, that was, Tim the turd Kane is what they call yeah, him. Yeah, that was yeah. just, that was just like an a failure of epic proportions. Is he still around or did he die? Who gives a shit? Like, what he's happened fucking, to that fucking He's guy. running a fucking, he's running a fucking, you know, polio shack in New Mexico. <laughs> Who the fuck knows what he's doing? I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast. Did you get it right? I got it right. Oh, man. What? You know what I didn't get uh, right, though? What didn't you get right? I did not get right that Elizabeth Warren um, would sink so fast, so dramatically, in such, a, in such a titanic way. I did not see that coming at all, and I'm really confused. I'm not confused at all. That Warren did so poorly in all of the, in, in, in Super Tuesday and the, the, prime, you know, the, the caucuses leading up to it? That doesn't, that doesn't amaze you that she did so bad? Not that she didn't no, it, win, but that she did so bad. No, I, I, I didn't. So it actually didn't. It, it disappointed me, like on on a fundamental level. Sure. I'm 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 quite disappointed because of everybody, and I mean, I'm talking Biden, Sanders, Trump. You name anyone that is the potential president of the United States in 2020. Literally, the only person that in my opinion was qualified and could do an excellent job um, was Elizabeth Tulsi Warren. Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, right. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Um, was Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> but those that, two so confused it, all the time. So, but it does not even remotely surprise me that she tanked on Super Tuesday. Why, um, why does it not surprise you? Because Katie and I have been talking, watching this whole thing go down and we're both like, what? why? I, I think it, I have this, my reason. I think I know. Well, I have my theory. The but what do you think? Well, my theory is pretty simple is, and I said this, we can go back uh, two, three, we could go three years back on ape casts yeah. and I'm probably saying this, like, we can go on literate ape and I probably wrote this, yeah. is Elizabeth Warren is a phenomenal legislator. She's probably the, sm- one of, one of the like three smartest people in all of Washington, D.C. period. Yeah. She is a lousy politician has always been a lousy politician. Her campaign was rough. The only time she came out and actually looked like, and again, like a politician, like somebody that's going to go for the, you know, like really, was when she took on Bloomberg. Yeah. And by that point, it was too late for her to, to snap. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the thing. What I, I, there are two politicians whom I have the, A, the most respect for, and the most hope, you know, it's like when I think, oh, is democracy, you know, impaired? No, because these two people are in office 
and have some, and that is Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth <laughs> Warren. And the, the difference between the two of them is Nancy Pelosi has always been a career politician. Yeah. She's a badass. She will kick your ass. She is salty and spicy and fucking smart as shit. And she'll fuck you up. Elizabeth Warren was a teacher. Right. So she is, right. she likes, she, she really is incredibly empathetic, incredibly compassionate, as well as incredibly intelligent about how to fix things. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. There are two, Jimmy Carter was a beautiful man. He had plans. He had smart. He was incredibly intelligent, um, but he was a lousy politician. Yeah. And the thing about it is, the, the problem is, lousy politicians usually have great ideas because they didn't get into politics because they're good politicians. They got into politics because they wanted to fix things. This is a yeah. different beast. So, there, I mean, there's a reason Donald Trump is our president. There's a reason Ronald Reagan was our president twice. There's a reason George W. Bush was our president for eight years. There are reasons for these, and the reasons are political campaigns are built almost entirely on an image and a way you want to be perceived. And the way Elizabeth Warren allowed herself to be perceived is as Elizabeth Warren. Mm. And that is why she failed so miserably is because she's just not a good campaigner. At, at risk. So here's my theory. I think that's a, I don't disagree with what you've said there. My, my theory has been this, and I, I this runs the risk of, of sounding weaponized, uh, chicken little feminist chicken little alarm bells i think it's because she's a woman and not because she's a woman on her own but because hillary clinton came first and because people uh too many people were like well we need to think about who can beat trump we saw that a woman couldn't beat trump last time so a woman can't beat trump again we need to get a guy to go up to trump i th i'm afraid that may have played a large role in why she did so poorly so I disagree. I think total it, bullshit. The thing is, and I understand. I understand that 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 I, I get it. If you're a woman and you 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 know you threw your yourself fully in support of Elizabeth Warren because she was a woman, then I understand why you'd think that that's it's all because it's all sexism. I think it certainly came into play, mm -hmm. but I also think nobody's. I mean. You know, fucking Klobuchar was, uh, she dropped out of the race and nobody went, Amy Klobuchar, she didn't get the support because she was a woman. Well, because Amy no. Klobuchar didn't get the support clearly because Amy Klobuchar is a, a goon. She's well, smart, she's kinda, I mean, but she's like, she's, she's a weirdo. She's an she's un kind of an asshole nerd. Yeah. Well, and a okay. dick. And she's kind of a dick. So, but, yeah. but, but again, like I said, yeah. nobody's going Camilla Harris got knocked out of the race because she's a woman. It was because she was a prosecutor. And she had a bet. She was she was too, the worst campaign, the dip, almost well, as no, bad the, as the Hillary Clinton yeah. campaign. And so and so and that's the and and quite frankly, it's it's one of those things where there's a fine. I really do think there's a fine line. Um, and and quite frankly, it, you know, that's things. I think it was the same thing with Mayor Pete. I think. I mean, you look at any of the Democrats uh, mm. nominees. Is it all boils down to bad campaigns? Tom Steyer and Bloomberg thought they could buy it. They could advertise it, but they weren't. But the thing about it is, everybody could see these guys are just coming in to buy the election. Yeah. Okay. Everybody else, like Camilla, I loved Camilla Harris. I, I still do. However, she's so obviously in every interaction in her campaign was so brazenly ambitious mm -hmm. to be the president that it turned people off. 
Well, she also made no sense. She was zigging and zagging all over well, the place yeah. with these weird, and like, think, dude, gotta so, go. That was a campaign slogan? So, what the so, fuck? Yeah. So, yes. What are you talking about? Yes. I compl- the thing about it is I completely understand the idea that it was sexism, and I think that probably came into play. I'm absolutely sure that, that there were plenty of people that were like, eh, a woman, the media had more to do with that. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that was like the electorate going, "Oh, she's a woman." It's that every time. Yeah. I mean, and and you could you could go back and look at it. There are two things that were just are almost, almost pathological with our fourth estate, which is every time Elizabeth Warren like nailed it in a debate, mm-hmm. the 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 headline was like, "Oh, Joe Biden and Mike Bloomberg," but they don't really mention her. Right. Um. Every time Bernie came out swinging, they kind of tried to ignore him. Yep. And that is what the media did. And so yeah. I don't think it had as much to do with sort of like a latent misogyny in the electorate. I think it had everything to do with the fact that she didn't campaign very well. She should have known early on. She should have known that the media was going to try to like marginalize her and kind of stick her in a, in a box. Yeah, And knowing that as a good campaigner, knowing that... You got to figure out how to do it. You got to figure out how to play the game. And that's why Donald Trump is sort of a, a terrible, horrible example. But that guy knows how to play the media better yeah. than anybody. Yeah. And so, what we've, what it seems like the Bernie, well, you know, uh, and he knows, he knows how to learned. play the people in, and how well, they should play the media or how they should well, consume and, and respond to the media. That's a big part yeah. of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing is like the Bernie Sanders crowd, uh, a lot of them, not, Actually, I think probably it's a pretty small minority of them, but the loudest of them, um, I think, learned all the wrong lessons from Trump's ascendancy. Mm-hmm. They thought, oh, you have to be nasty and shitty all the time, and you have to threaten people and call people names. See, I still and haven't seen that's any not, evidence of that in my day-to-day goings, comings and goings. I see it all the time. I haven't, I seen, it the I haven't seen it I, once. I would well. The thing about it is, like the culinary. A perfect example is the culinary union out here in Las yeah. Vegas. They said, "No, we don't want Medicare for all. What we want is we want our our insurance." And the woman that was their spokesperson got like a string of death threats. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so again, it's a small percentage, and maybe it's Russian bots. It's very likely that it, you know it might be just Russian bots. But even Elizabeth Warren said on Maddow the other night, her first posting interview mm-hmm. is. This is that, and this is the thing. It's Donald Trump doesn't have to like disavow his, you know, white supremacist supporters because that's kind of the thing. It, 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 Republicans only have to fight Republican or only have to fight Democrats. Yeah. Democrats have to fight Republicans and themselves. Yeah. And that puts us at a, at a disadvantage. And quite frankly, Bernie, and, and that was her call, is that you have to own, you have to own the behavior of your most extreme followers. Well, and Bernie has not said, I mean, he, you know, and that's thing. he says, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't do that. Let's be civil. You got to, I mean, you know, that's, we, we called for Trump to disavow the white supremacists. And then we're just shitting our pants when he didn't. On the other hand, yeah, you know, you've got you've got Bernie supporters or Russian bots or somebody on the side of Bernie Sanders th- death threats online to people that disagree with him. That's just uh, that I want him yeah. to disavow it, just like we wanted Trump to disavow it, and well, that's what I want. Let's let's talk about the media for a second because I've felt 
you know, Katie, I don't like MSNBC just as much as I don't like Fox for yeah, different, I don't watch any of but similar enough reasons. I don't um, have a TV, so I don't yeah. watch any of shit. Katie watches a lot of MSNBC, and um, what I've seen from them, and I thought this was very strict. Well, shit, forget, forget that my wife watches it. When I was in, um, I guess it was during Iowa, the Iowa caucus, I was in Orlando, and I had... I had it on because it was like the first, you know, hotel TV channel. Like, all right, there's the news. Let's see what's going on with the caucuses and whatever, MSNBC. Um, and Biden was getting his ass handed to him. And all that MSNBC, the anchors, could talk about was what's going on with Biden? Why isn't Biden doing better? Like, they were really pushing for – it was painfully obvious that they were pushing for Biden. And, you know, th- there's plenty of, of – write-ups all over the internet and in newspapers and magazines about oh, yeah. MSNBC's, um, you know, they're, they're not they're not a liberal or progressive news organization. They are for the moderate centrism, you know, just the same as Fox News is the extreme right. So, yeah, um, and, and they have the same kind of uh, tactics that they use to maintain their moderate status quo. I haven't seen the Rachel Maddow thing i've got it earmarked on my phone to, to watch that um yeah just watch it. so you i don't, don't really need to i can't watch the whole maddow show because she's as close to extremist left as is well, uh msnbc can have and i'm just yeah. not interested in that and maddow's also she i feel like she talks down to her viewers oh i she know she is does. the That's smartest why I can't watch person it. in the room and she wants to make sure that everybody knows it so oh, she's yeah. gonna talk to you like you didn't know things that you should have known, and of course you didn't know because I'm the only one who could have possibly told you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I look just like David Himmel. <laughs> Fucking God. This is the thing. And and, and ultimately, that's why I, I point to NPR as, I think, actually a pretty good example. Um, what I understand the left. What we want in our media is our version of Fox News. We have that with MSNBC. No, we don't. You just said that they are obviously well, more centrist, and that's the thing. What we want, and it's the same thing. That's the thing. What we wanted, what we wanted in Obama, and that's why there's such this sort of like buyer's remorse eight years to ten years later, where it's like, <laughs> oh, Obama wasn't the great white hope we thought he was. Well, that's because Wait, he wasn't. Oh. Well, what we wanted in Obama <laughs> was the flip side. We wanted our version of Dick Cheney. Yeah. We wanted our version of the extremist, fuck you, we're going to do what we want. We're going to invade anybody if we feel like we're going to lie. Well, that's what we wanted. What we got was a balanced, intelligent politician but a man who's who's a community organizer who was trying doing everything he could to unify things to actually accomplish stuff pragmatics over ideology and the thing about it is while i don't like i said i don't watch msnbc i do not think msnbc for the most part is uh a fox news i think they try really hard to be a bit more balanced about it on the other hand the difficulty with MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and all of our news media is it's almost all of our cable news media. I don't know that it's all news media. It's It's cable news media. It's almost entirely it's almost entirely op ed news, which isn't news. Right. 
op-ed is not news, which is why... For the most part, I would say NPR is our best news source. NPR, PBS, they, it's, it's the public. Yeah, the public yeah, news sources. They, because yeah. because it's not about the person. I mean, it tends to be about the personalities once certain fame gets. But they try really hard not to be about the personalities or about the opinions of the reporters. One of the best. I, I love this. I thought this was actually pretty interesting. Is you know you know Peter Sagal. I know mm-hmm. Peter Sagal pretty yeah. well, um, and. You know, he knows that as an NPR employee, he can't really, you know, he can make fun of stuff on the wait, wait, don't tell me, but he can't really like espouse an opinion, you know, out in the air about a political candidate in right. any way, shape or form. Right. Well, as soon as Mayor Pete, and I knew that he knew Pete, I knew he knew him. Um, and as soon as he dropped out of the race, Sagal went on Twitter and just wrote this long, like multi-tiered thing, just basically saying, listen, now I couldn't say this when he was running, but now that he's not running, let me tell you, I think he, I know he and his husband, I've known them for years. I think they're brilliant. Anybody that was saying that he was centrist and not a a true progressive, they're wrong. I've eaten dinner with him. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was this thing, but that was what I really respected Yeah, is if, if Peter Sagal was working for MSNBC, he would have said that while he was running. Yeah. And and that's what I there's there is even even the goofiest, I mean, that's things. Peter Sagal's not like an anchor. Right. He's not right. on all things considered. He's, no. you know, he's just the comedy guy for NPR. However, even he yeah. maintains that wall of objectivity as much as you can be right so that's i think i think uh i think elizabeth warren got done in by the media i think she got done in by bad campaign management she hired a lot of hillary people too didn't she well yes she did and that ghost of hillary won't fucking go away man drives me nuts that's the thing i keep going back and you and i are going to disagree on this until the day we die um but i do not think hillary ran a bad campaign she won the popular vote by three million things and and everybody's like no hold on and everybody's like oh but she didn't campaign in wisconsin in pennsylvania you know what neither did joe biden for the democratic primary and he blew those fucking places away though he didn't campaign in any of those states he just boom nailed it's not about that it, it is can be in part because Joe Biden didn't Mike, have to. Mike Hillary Bloomberg spent to. more. She needed got, to do more because people well, like because her less. She's, because she's an unlikable person, um, you know. But the, the thing they've got that the Hulu's got this documentary called Hillary. Yeah. Have you? I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, we were yet. looking at that, and I want to watch it. I totally want to watch it. Katie said she heard it was disappointing and boring. But that was just like something she heard, so we'll we'll give it a go. But it hasn't. No, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna watch it yeah. because it's all. It basically all the footage and all the interviews were done. It's by the same uh, woman that did the that kid stays in the picture mm. about Robert. Town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was a brilliant. I love that movie. I mean, just I think it's yeah. one of the best documentaries about Hollywood I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so I, I have high hopes. But basically, all of this footage was originally. The early footage was all about her on the campaign trail because they thought she was going to win. So mm-hmm. it would be a nice retrospective on her win. And when she didn't, whoa, that changed the whole thing. So I'm very yeah. interested to see, you know, because that's one of the things is she talks. I read an interview, uh, you know, and the director talks about how, well, you never she never got to see a totally unguarded Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um 
one of the things that she realized was that her experience, I mean, she shows, apparently she shows a picture in 1994 of people burning Hillary Clinton in effigy. Jesus. Because she wanted universal health care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if, if that's what you're confronted with and, and one of the things, and actually I think that's, I think it's one of the funniest. And I, again, this is all just from that interview is that apparently Hillary says that she is the most investigated innocent person in, in America. Mm -hmm. And I would, and I would agree with that because she and Bill, but more her investigated billions of dollars have been spent trying to nail her. Yeah. On something that they just came up with. Here's a conspiracy theory. Here's the Pizzagate. Here's all this shit. And there's just no there there. And which is hysterical. Yeah. That and then we and then we go, why is she unlikable? Man, if you've we been forced attacked her into this, this way, yeah. I, God damn totally. it. You know? Yep. I mean, come on, you gotta give her a little bit of a break. Yeah. But again, back to Elizabeth. So anyway. So well let me ask are you we real fucked? Quick. Are the Democrats fucked? That's the question I have. Well, let me ask you this really quickly. So you're you're a Warren. A Warren guy. I am a Warren if, guy. If the opportunity was because Nevada's uh, caucusing, you know, their their primary is done, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. If it had happened next week, would you still caucus for Elizabeth Warren, even Absolutely. though she, even though she's dropped out of the race? Absolutely. So she's dropped out of the race. She's no longer running, but you would caucus for her. Absolutely. You know who else is going to vote for Elizabeth Warren come primary day, even Who's though that? she's dropped out of the race? Yeah. John Capal. That's all right. That's fine with me. I don't like John. I think he's a turd. That doesn't uh, doesn't make sense. Why would you vote for somebody or call for somebody who's out of the race? Here's the thing. This is the, and, and and that's the thing. It's I, I think this. A lot of people get this wrong, and I go that's a, that's things like it, I, you know every. It's one of the funniest things I read is like, oh wow, hey, I saw a cartoon and I put it up on my Facebook. It's like, oh hey, look, all my friends on Facebook who last week were constitutional scholars today are infectious disease Infect- yeah. experts. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like that. It's like. All right, if you're gonna if you're gonna position yourself as a scholar of of the de- democratic process, mm-hmm. fucking spend some time and learn what it is. The reason it's okay to caucus for Elizabeth Warren now is that this is the primary. This is not the election. Right. This is about us choosing the best person. Now, there but she's are no lot, longer running. But the, here's the thing: there are a lot of machinations that come into place. I know, me, I know that Elizabeth Warren has dropped out of the race. I also know that come election day in November of 2020, it is not my fucking job to vote my heart. Okay. I just want to beat Donald Trump. It is my job to 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 vote for I don't give a shit if they if ultimately at the end of the day they they it's a can of fucking soup that they put up against <laughs> Donald Trump. I'm voting for that goddamn can of soup. Sure. Yeah. But until we get to that point, it is my opportunity to do is anything that I can influence that. Now, here's the thing. I don't have any problem with somebody who wants to vote for Bernie. I don't have yeah. any problem with somebody who wants to vote for Biden. Sure. I, bottom line is we're trying to determine who's going to run against Donald Trump. So part of that is a vice presidential nominee. And we know if there, and I've said this yeah. before, if there's anything that Hillary Clinton really botched, like talk about it, just shit my pants in public <laughs> fuck up. 
It was Tim Kane. That as the a turd bicep. that is yeah, turd Tim I mean, Kane, that was, Tim the Turd Kane is what they call yeah, him. Yeah, that was yeah. just that was just like an a failure of epic proportions. Is he still around or did he die? Who gives a shit. Like, what he's happened to that fucking He's guy. running a fucking he's running a fucking, you know, polio shack in New Mexico. <laughs> who the fuck knows what he's doing? Anyway. Well, that still doesn't I mean it's it's so I so I guess, I guess if, it, if even if they're not running for president, voting for them in the primary is still a good thing or caucusing for them even if they're not running for president. So that's well, the said, thing about it is those numbers count. So if she gets uh, the thing about it is what my hope is. It's the only hope I have that I can you know, like as as a Warren supporter and, and and as as a supporter of having some semblance of pragmatism and progressive ideals in the White House is if she gets enough information, she gets enough support that either Bernie or Joe, when they when it's time, like okay, we're def- I am definitely the nominee, and now I have to pick a vice presidential nominee. That either one of them can go. Man, Elizabeth got a ton of support in the caucusing. She's the one to go with because we're going to unify. Because ultimately, our biggest problem as Democrats is that we've got to unify our most extreme and our most moderate. And the yeah. only way you do that, I mean, to me, what I'm hoping for, honestly, at this point, yeah, is I'm hoping Joe Biden gets the nomination oh, and he picks Elizabeth. Really? And he and he picks Elizabeth Warren as because Bernie's going to lose. I'm sorry, Bernie's going to fucking lose. Biden is our only chance because, and this is why, it's not Bernie. I mean, part of it is Bernie, but there are two things that come to play that nobody wants to talk about. I love Medicare for all. Okay. Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, first of all, this is the presidency. So it's not like you nominate, it's not like Bernie Sanders wins the nomination, he wins the election, he walks into the White House and a motherfucker Boom. three weeks later got right. Medicare. It's not going to happen unless we can flip contracts. Look how hard it took. Even then. They were trying to get universal health care in 1930. Yeah. They've been trying for like almost 100 years to get this. Yeah. The closest we have come was the ACA. Yeah. And that was only, only because Obama had a supermajority. Right. And those motherfuckers in the Republican side have been trying... Every single when Obama was president, they had forty-five votes to overturn the ACA. Forty-five fucking votes, yeah, and they still couldn't do it because we won it. Now here's the thing: not enough people in America want Medicare for all, and number two, he has no substantive plan other than just tax the living shit out of everybody. To get it. Yeah. And so it's not going to pass. So it's like we're voting for the Jewish Santa Claus. Yeah, right. That's going right. to come in and give us free college and free health care. And free, it's not going to happen that's because what I said. we don't have the Congress. Yeah, I was saying this in my... I mean, I, I've crazy. been saying this for a long time. And then I, I wrote it in one of my, my post-it notes uh, last week, was that the who we vote for for president and who the president of the United States is, is important. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't matter fuck all. Unless we have unless we the, the right, ca- we like, unless the, the Capitol building is full of people that and, want to do what we want them to do. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are more, and I mean, Joe Biden actually, yeah, that Super Tuesday showed it more clearly yeah. than probably we've seen in a long time. There are far more moderate, pragmatic, 
Democrats than there are extremist revolutionary Democrats. Because most of the people that are go, vote for Bernie are independents. They're, they're only Democrats because that's, that's, the, that's the platform yeah. he decided to run. The fact that they are, if there's anything Super Tuesday proved was how small that really loud Twitter side of extremists, of far left extremism, it, it, it really showed how small it is. Yeah. And, and more importantly, because that's the thing is, all of the ideals that, that Bernie stands for are ideals that most of us on the left believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of them are FDR approved sort of perspectives, right? Right. right. It's not the ideas, it's how they're communicated. And I got to tell you, you know, I mean, if you look at Joe Biden, why did why did black people in South Carolina on a scale that is uncanny, mm-hmm. that it just, you, no one expected it, just vote for Joe Biden? Why? Because they're not intersectionalists. They do not believe in the 1619 project that slavery was the fucking bedrock of this country. Right. That is not the reality they've lived. And what, if there's anything Super Tuesday proved, is that the hardcore far left reactionary activists, the social justice warriors of this country do not represent the people they say they do. Yeah. They represent themselves and academia. And that is kind of where we're at. That's why I think Joe Biden is our only, and I don't think, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I don't think Joe can beat him. But yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think he's. I think Joe is the closest thing we've got right now. And if he picks Elizabeth Warren, at least we bring in some of the most hardcore progressives along with the fold because she's got the ideas that Bernie Sanders has, and she has better planning. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's. I, 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 we'll see how it. We'll see how it pans out. All right, switching gears. You did a piece on American Dirt. For your bug house piece this last month, yeah, on March second, yeah, and uh, and that actually is going up. Uh, the podcast will go up the fourteenth of March, so uh, that's when that's going to drop. Um, but talk a little bit about about what that argument was and and where you came from. Um, yeah, give me half a second to pull it up so I can remember what the hell I wrote. Um, so the idea came from. Uh, there's this book called American Dirt, right? Um, yep. Written by Janine Cummins. When this book first came out, Oprah cooed all over it. You know, it was the Oprah's book club, and she she went on on Twitter and she was saying, um, uh, "What did she say about it?" There's a quote in here somewhere. Oh, there's all kinds of quotes. Uh, I mean, Stephen King. Everybody that read it, oh, that's yeah. in any, yeah, yeah. The, so yeah, next... Stephen King loved it. Oprah said, "I was open. I was shook up. It woke me, and I feel that everybody who reads this book is actually going to be immersed in the experience of what it means to be a migrant on the run for freedom." So I want I mean, you called, to read. I mean, on the book jacket, it's called "A Modern Grapes of Wrath." Yeah. So I mean, this is this is some yeah. hyperbolic bullshit. This is a apparently it is a brilliant read. Right. But that was not the issue. The backlash came out, or then there then there was backlash because the author, because Cummins identifies as white. She's a white woman. Has always identified as a white woman. But mm. then this backlash came out and she was like, oh wait, but I have a Puerto Rican grandma, so it's okay for me to write about this. Because what people were saying, and I don't know who exactly these people are, you know, the... Uh, the two percent of yeah. the people most pissed off. There, it's the people that get angry at fucking high school girls for wearing a Chinese dress to prom. Yes, they're fucking morons. Yes, 
they were pissed because does she she's a she's appropriating culture she's stereotyping these people you know what right does she have to tell the immigrant story when she's not an immigrant herself um and you know puerto rican doesn't make you an immigrant because puerto rican is a an american territory whatever um so yeah so that's where this idea came from was who can write what story what right do we have to write stories Specifically fiction. If this was a memoir, if Janine Cummins went on and said, like, my family traveled through, yeah. then that's bullshit, right? That's yeah. obvious bullshit. That's complete bullshit. But this is fiction. She could have been inspired by uh, by the stories that we hear every day about what immigrants, what migrants are going through to, to save their families, the risk they're taking to flee these terrible, terrible, terrible situations to come to a country that fucking hates them because it's better. You know, so as a writer, she's inspired by this, and and I, I have not read the book um, yet. I haven't either, and so I don't I don't know exactly what's in there. Um, so perhaps this argument was a little, um, you know, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit on it, but I I don't really think so because as long as she does her research, as long as it's fiction, she's not claiming it's memoir. She's not claiming that this is her story or anything like that. It's just a novel. Yeah. What's the problem? That's what writers do. You know, did, I mean, one of the things I say in the piece, you know, did, did J.K. Rowling take the story of, uh, of British preteen wizards away from them by telling Harry Potter? No. She made that shit up. It's, yeah. it's okay. You know, it's... Well, I mean, you know, let's, I mean, to, to get more to the point, and that I think, I, I think Cummins' biggest... Like if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mistake, you know, in this kind of thing, is to even mention that her grandmother is Puerto Rican because it shouldn't matter if her grandmother is Puerto Rican. It's fiction. Was Alex Haley a slave? Uh, no. no, no, no. He was but not. He wrote Roots. Right. Okay, but but wait, wait, but let's. Does that mean that anyone who is black and American? is a slave and can write about it? Not really, because you weren't a slave. Right. Maybe you were related to a slave. Maybe you had a slave in your family. But that doesn't mean you have the right. And so it, yep. when we get in, when we get into that kind of weird Venn diagram is who gets to, who has the right to create fiction? Michael Bay is not a car that can become a robot. No. He is not, and yet, and yet, he made movies about cars that became robots. You know, well, Johnny but Depp. The other Johnny thing. Depp has never been a pirate, and yet he successfully played a pirate in four movies, two that were good. Yeah, uh, and both of those, both of those movies were from previous existing ideas. Yeah, and I know and so for I a guess, fact because I was really into Transformers as a kid. That a robot car that could transform did not create transformers. That is true. So it did not create. Yeah. So there's that. And so and and, and you know so I ultimately I mean it, it, I guess that's the thing is it, it is the it, it it's where we're at right now as a country. It is I one of I, just one of the funniest things I've read was Donald Trump. This is just a joke. It was not an Andy Borowitz because he's about as funny as cock cancer. But uh, <laughs> it was it was. Uh, it was Donald Trump saying he claimed uh, the law that that he created the a four year Black History Month, 
that his presidency has created a four-year Black History Month. Who said month. that? And Borowitz? It was just a, it, no, no, it wasn't Borowitz. Oh. I don't know who it was. I just thought it was funny, the idea that, yeah, pretty much we've hit a point because Donald Trump where it is a fetishization of both gender and race yeah. as being the, the two single most important things about humanity. And unfortunately, neither of them are that big a deal. They're a big deal, but they're not that big. They are not the singular right. defining elements of who we are as a species is our tribalism. It is a bad idea to do it. That's where populism comes from in the first place. Right. And populism generally doesn't play out so well when you look at society. Well, I th and what, I think one of the issues with American Dirt was that, you know, why does this white woman get to tell this particular story when there are th thousands, tens of thousands of other, of, of immigrant voices, immigrant writers that could have told this story and to no, that, the thing I say, is they, well, the thing is, they couldn't have told the story, and no, and more importantly, if they could, and they and they and it was as well written as apparently this well, book is, yeah, that's then why weren't they fucking published? Because you know what? That's the. Th I mean, you know, fucking well, uh, little brown, little brown just, just said we're not gonna we're not gonna publish uh, Woody Allen's book because we think he's a pedophile. Blah blah blah. You know, all that shit. Publishing has is publishing is is as academic as colleges, and they have embraced identity politics probably more than almost any two industries that you can name. Well, let me let me just read this is so this is from my my argument. This let me just read this real quick. So Cum yeah. Cummins American Dirt doesn't take the story of immigrants away from actual immigrants. They have their stories. They should tell them. But here's where the rub is. They must have the platform to tell those stories. That is, publishers ought to be looking for diverse voices. Not simply to fill a skin color or gender quota, but because diversity is a great thing for creativity. I don't know what the publishing industry is like for a person of color. I do know that I've come across a lot of agents and publishers who are looking specifically for women and people of color, which rules me out. Which is why I think the diversity should be about the stories. What's good? What's got a new approach to a familiar tale? Perhaps that comes from fewer white men. Sure, I don't care. That just makes me have to work harder to be better. And that feels like a good challenge to have. So there's this idea of access that they might be upset about too. And I completely understand that. But that this does not thing. mean that like, let, there are plenty of stories to go around. Everybody- Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey at one point was asked, don't you think women UFC fighters should be paid as much as men? And her answer is, this is a business. If I, as a female fighter, can make as much money at the gate as a male, then yeah. yeah. But if not, then no. And it, what it boils down to is, if you if you are a, if you're Nestor Gomez, and you decide to write about your Guatemalan you know, cascade through Mexico to get into the country yeah. and be undocumented, and that you want to write about that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that's great. But as a publisher, and that's the thing is we, we, publishing is not a library and it's not, it's a business. Yeah. And ultimately they, publishers have to say what is going to sell because ultimately they got to sell books if they want to keep their lights on. And so they're looking at what's going to sell. If it doesn't, it's why quite frankly, and I think, you know, it's like some mistakes are made. It's like Scarlett Johansson is caught in many crossfires because they people are making movies about marginalized 
characters yeah. go, how do we get people to watch this movie? Well, let's cast a star. Hey, Scarlett Johansson said she'd do it. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that means we'll make the money back. And the story That's will get is. heard. People will be educated. They will be open to an idea that well, they that, hadn't heard of the before. The thing is, oh, you're, you're assigning far too much altruism to the business. They uh, don't give a shit about well, any of that stuff. Okay, what they yeah. want to make is fucking money. And if it won't make money... They're not, it's, you know, that's the thing that the publishing industry is not, hey, let's make society better. The publishing industry is, hey, how do we sell these fucking books how do to get people money that out don't of those buy pockets. books? Yeah. How do we get sell money? How would he sell books to, a, to a, a country that doesn't read books anymore? So what do we got to do? All right. So when you find a piece that was written that was sent to you and Stephen King and Oprah Winfrey and every motherfucker in the world says this is a great story, you're going to goddamn publish that thing and you're going to throw it up and you are going to make sure that everybody knows you got to read this. Not even that they care that you read the story. Just buy the book. Can you, sit can you pluck? Sure. Yeah. yeah, can you pluck the twenty dollars down that we're asking for? Yeah. so that we can pay. The other writers, if those things don't happen, then no writers get any kind of access or any kind of thing. And that is the the real dilemma that you've got when it comes to art is publishers, Hollywood producers, um, art galleries are not are they are not the champions of art. Right. Right. They are making money off of the art. That's what they do. If what you want is to have your story heard from your marginalized perspective, start a fucking Etsy shop because that's about it. Well, and that's just, that's the thing. There are plenty of ways to get your story out there. If if Random House is not publishing your shit, maybe, one, maybe it's not good enough. Go back to work on it. Sure. Two, maybe you don't know the right people. That sucks too. Sorry you weren't born into the the upper middle class or the upper upper class of New York high society. Like that's, we all have to deal with that shit. That sucks. It's a broken system. It's part of why we started Literate Ape, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 But like, I mean, we could, Don, you and I could network our asses off. I don't think that we would ever be accepted into high society, New York publishing. I just don't think that we would ever. I can't, dude, I can't even get into the high society of, of, of uh, live lit in Las Vegas, let alone, New York. I thought off. I thought that you are now High Society of Live Lit in Las Vegas. Oh no, I'm still the outlier. It's just sort of like Is Figler uh, not letting you play? Oh, they did well it, it, it's it's that I'm new and uh and I have tattoos and I drink. Huh? There's only one room there's only room for one of us and Jarrett Keen was here first. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean that's that's that thing. There's there, there there's only 500 people in this whole goddamn city where there is any kind of interest in poetry, and they only have room for one guy, one bad boy, kind of, yeah, yeah, one guy that kind of looks at him and goes, "Boy, aren't you pretentious, dicks? I have tattoos and I like beer." Yeah. Um. And Jarrett was here first, so he gets that position. Yeah. Me, I'm just some fucking wacky asshole. Uh, you know. Who just kind of does this, which is fine. That's a, that's kind of how I like it. Right. That's kind of I like being sort of the outlier. So, but yeah, that's the thing is I think if people want to, it you know I get it. It's not fair that, that that black filmmakers have not had as many opportunities. But you know what? It, it really does boil down to cream rises to the top. If you've created something amazing, you will get the opportunities because the stuff that's amazing sells. I just and yes, ultimately yes. Hollywood and publishing industry and all this stuff. If it's not going to sell, then no one's going to buy it. 
Well, and, and, and what I think it. is important about that is that, yes, you're 100% right. I agree with that. But access needs to be available. Like, let the cream rise at the top, but give everybody an oven and a pot and pan well, so they can cook with it. It's not writing a novel. It's writing a novel. access. No, but yeah, well, exactly. Well, right. But everybody has access. It, it, they have access to write a novel, to write a novel, but not to get it published by Random House, yeah. where it gets to Oprah. Because you, you, there are so many other ways to publish it, but it's going to take a lot more work if you go well, through Amazon, yeah. if you go through Lulu, if you self-publish well, any other way. You know, I mean, well, if or if you just write a novel and send it and send it and send it and send do it, do the work. Yeah, all it takes, and and that's the thing. It's it's sort yeah. of, it's the it's the Bukowski model. He was just a fucking mailroom guy. Yeah. He was writing poems and just sending them out. It took one person to go, oh fuck, this guy's amazing for him to become. It happened. You know, to, Hank it, it happened to J.K. Rowling. I mean, she she twisted J- everything. She changed her name. Yeah. So they would read her shit because she figured they won't read it from a woman. I'll just go J.K. Because yeah, is that which, a guy? I don't know. Who gives a shit? You know, it's the story. And so the thing about it is, if you're if you are someone who is got a great story, whether it's true or not, about immigrants coming over to the border and, and coming into, into Mexico and cartels and all this kind of stuff, you've got a great story, and you write that great story and you put it out there. You got to put it out there enough times somebody's going to find it. Mm-hmm. it. Your access is not limited because you know. And if if, if right now of any time, people, you're exactly right. Publishers are looking for women of color. They're looking for immigrants. They're looking for those stories. But if they can't sell it, it's not gonna. It's just not gonna get published. Right. That's just it. Right. That's it. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. All right, my first thing. Uh, it's a read, and it's for you, Don, because uh, we've just come into daylight saving time again. Uh, we had to spring forward yesterday, so. This is a, uh, it's on the, uh, what, what is this called? Uh, well, I almost said the Washington Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal uh, by Sumathan Reddy. Here's why health experts want to stop daylight saving time. And it's all about our circadian rhythms and the science behind our circadian rhythms that are real, that exist. Don Hall, you're wrong. Give it a read. I will give it a read, but Aha! I won't believe it. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I've got a, my first one is a listen. It is uh, go to WNYC, which is the uh, public radio in New York. Um, it is on all of it, which is the show. It is a 26 minute listen. It is called American Dirt and Publishing's Problem. Um, and it's actually, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit more on the other side. It's on the Paul Teoto side of the argument. However, it's still pretty interesting to hear some of that perspective. Yeah. So WNYC, American Dirt and Publishing's Problem is my first thing. Great. My second thing is uh, another read. Uh, it's on Medium. And it is by Carrie Castor, our very own Carrie Castor, Little Dape's very House. own Carrie Castor. I love it. Uh, called What I Mean When I Talk About Sexism by Carrie oh, Castor I- on Medium. Well, then, fuck, I didn't even know she had a medium, so yeah. now I have to follow her. Yep. And not writing it for Literate, but it's all right, that, that'll work. Yeah. I'll just, I want to read it, yeah. All right, my second is a read. It is on The Atlantic. Um, it is written by the more conservative David Frum. Mm-hmm. It is called How Democrats Can Solve Their Bernie Sanders Problem. 
It's actually a really good, it's a great article, and I and I love this perspective. Here's a quote from it. Dem, Democrats on Super Tuesday successfully did what Republicans failed to do in 2016, check the rise of their extremist candidate. It's a, it, 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 you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not an anti-Bernie piece at all, mm-hmm. but it is sort of recognition that the Democrats have this problem, and... Yeah. With Super Tuesday, at least they're trying to course correct. Yeah. And that, I think, is an interesting, at least it's an interesting article. So I recommend it. Okay, great. Uh, And then my last thing to do this week is it's a watch. Better Call Saul. Watch Better Call Saul. It's always back this season. God fucking damn it, is that good television? Jesus. God, so my third, so good. My, I just want to fucking it is come everywhere. Um, mine my dick is, out. is an unexpected watch. all over watch. the TV. Sorry, what were you saying? Mine was an unexpected <laughs> watch. Uh, it is uh, not a movie that I saw in the theaters. It's not a movie that you saw in the theaters. It's not a movie that almost anybody saw in the theaters. And I just kind of randomly, when I was working out, found it and went, okay, I'm going to watch this. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, I did not think that I was going to enjoy it. Uh, but I thought, ah, oh, what the fuck? I'll give it a shot. And it surprised me that I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, not a fan of Herbie the Love Bug. Where the hell is this going? I'm not a fan of Herbie the Love Bug. I didn't like those movies. Okay. I'm not a big fan of Haley Stanfield except for In True Grit. Okay. But Bumblebee is a goddamn fun little movie. <laughs> it's like the Transformers meets Herbie the Love Bug yeah. with Haley Stanfield, and it is actually <laughs> a pretty goddamn fun movie. All right. I did see like parts of it, but I was kind of like, I Exactly. I don't care. That's how I vibe. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. But I actually, uh, right. it, it's, basically, it's basically an origin story yeah. of how Bumblebee became Bumblebee and uses the radio to talk and mm-hmm. all that shit. It, I, you know, I just, I found it charming. I enjoyed the relationships. I thought Bumblebee was kick-ass. It's, what I will say is, out of all of the movies about Transformers, it's the best one. I would, I would believe that, yeah. Because yeah, well, it's the best one. And it doesn't have far to go to get to that, to that, no, to hold that, that title. Because I mean, those not, movies that's are... That's not a fucking high bar. Right. But in, in, in a time where we've got the Democratic caucuses and primaries, yeah. where we've got American dirt and all the controversy with the bullshit, where we've got the coronavirus, just go watch Bumblebee and feel a little bit like, just get two hours of your night where you don't have to think about all that shit. It's totally innocuous. It's, oh, also, and this isn't, uh, this will be like an add-on. Yeah. So this is like a 3.5. Um, surprisingly... You ever watch the Impractical Jokers? <laughs> no, I'm no, not. No, I know what they are. Um, but yeah, um, you know they're fun um, and goofy and completely nonpartisan. And uh, they came out with a movie called the Impractical Jokers movie. And we went because Ari here in in Vegas yeah. is a big, 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 big fan of those guys. And so we went and saw it. <laughs> and there were like seven or eight of us in the theater. But God damn it, it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> At least five times where I'm just, you know, my big ass yeah, laugh in the yeah. theater. I'm just, just like killing me how fucking stupid and funny it was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's so, funny. All right. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's the show. That's the show. Wash your hands. Stay safe out there and vote for Bobby Kennedy in 2020. Anybody. Just vote for somebody. 
You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.